today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. begin in the second chapter of Romans tonight, but before we get there, I want to get a good running start as to what we've been talking about so far. Uh, In chapter 1, Paul dealt with the Gentile world, which by and large rejected God. Uh, He said in Romans 1, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. God has revealed himself to mankind through creation and conscience, and and they knew God, as it says there in that verse. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They knew God, they knew he was holy, they knew that he was opposed to sin, but... They did not want this God because they wanted to continue on in their sin. And he went on to say in verse 28 of Romans chapter 1 that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The moral code of God is the restraining force inside the heart of the human being. It's what God has placed there in our conscience. And when a person, no matter who it is, continues to go up against God's moral code, um, continuously going up against that, the heart gets hardened. And the more a person continues to want to do that, God just gets out of the way. Uh, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force his way. He's not going to override uh, your free will of choice. If you want to go to hell, God's going to step out of the way. But he's paid an awful price, sent his son into this world to die for us, to keep people from going there. But people want to continue in their sin. And if they want, if a person wants to go to hell, God's going to get out of the way and let them go. And that's what he done. He gave them up, uh, the Bible says. And when God gets out of the way, there's not just a vacuum there. When God gets out of the way, unrighteousness comes in. And that's what he said there in verse 29 of Romans chapter 1. Being filled, notice that, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, 
proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable and unmerciful. If you want to know why the world is in the mess it's in, all you've got to do is read the first chapter of Romans. It is because man has rejected God and does not like to retain God in his knowledge. He'd rather go toward evolution and that sort of thing. And if that's the way they want to go, God gets out of the way. And the end result is what I've just read to you. Verse 32, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them who do it. People know that what they're doing is wrong. In some cases, people know that what they're doing is going to kill them if they continue to keep taking those drugs, if they keep living that lifestyle, uh, it's going to put them in an early grave. They, they know uh, what they're doing is wrong, and it's not good for them, but they continue to do it anyway. That just shows you just how powerful sin is, that, that power of the sin nature within the heart of every one of us. It's very powerful, and you can't just talk that out. You can't just take a pill and um, think that you're going to render the situation. Sin is so bad that it took the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross to remedy that situation. And believe me, what Jesus did at Calvary takes care of the situation. And, you know, it, it, it's, it releases the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives. But what activates it is our faith. Once we place our faith in the finished work of Christ, then the Holy Spirit can come in and do all that he does. But uh, people are just going to continue on doing what they're doing. Uh, they know that what they're doing is wrong. They know that the end result of what they're doing, they're going to go to, they're going to bust hell wide open, but they're going to continue doing it and they're going to take pleasure in those who do. And that's the world. All right, Romans 2, verse 1. Paul said, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Now, Paul begins to change his focus from the Gentile world to the Jewish world. Um, the Jews were God's chosen people, and they knew it. They had been given the law of God through Moses, and in their minds, they thought that they, they were keeping the law. They felt like because God had given this great revelation to them, that they were somehow the elite. They were um, higher than anybody else. They set themselves up on a pedestal. And they even thought that if you were born a Jew, then you were automatically saved. They believe in a national salvation. Well, when John the Baptist came on the scene, uh, he dealt with that issue. If you will, go to Matthew chapter 3 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist came on the scene, and he came preaching repentance. And he said in Matthew chapter 3, move down, if you will, to verse 5. Then went out 
to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, now these were the religious leaders of that day, these were the individuals that the people looked up to because they were well-versed in the Scriptures. They were the ones that were setting the example in whatever the case. And when they came to his baptism, he said, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. And think not, notice this now in verse 9, and think not to say within yourselves we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. In other words, just because you're of the seed of Abraham, that don't mean that you're saved. And let me say this, just because you belong to a certain church, or just because your name is on the roll, or you're part of a particular denomination or organization, that don't mean that you're saved. Just because mom and daddy was saved, that don't mean that you are. Just because you're an American, that don't mean that you're saved. And we've all got to repent of our sins and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, Jesus had this same problem. If you will, go to Matthew chapter 21. Jesus had the same problem that John the Baptist had, and he addressed it with the parable of the two sons. Uh, Matthew 21, if you'll go down to verse 28. Matthew 21, verse 28. Jesus said, But what think you? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to his second and said, Likewise. He answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? And they said unto him, The first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Them fighting words. (laughs) They thought just because they were the seed of Abraham and doing all these things and keeping the law, they thought they were saved. But what Jesus say? The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye... When ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that you might believe him. Uh, Go to Luke chapter 18. Jesus dealt with this same problem again. Luke 18. Move down, if you will, to verse 19. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Luke 18. Move down, if you will, to verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Notice that. That trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That's the Jews. 
set themselves up on a pedestal. We've got the law of God. We're the elite. We've got more of God than anyone else has. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. Now that sounds good. If we can get some church folks to do that. Hello? Sounds good. But you know what? God didn't hear a word that man had to say. Well, Brother James, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says right up there that he prayed thus within himself. If you'll notice that there, verse 11, he prayed with himself. Why? Because he was boasting about all these things that he had done and not so much about what God had done. If we boast in anything, it needs to be the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, our salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all through and by what Jesus has done. And, I, and our part is simply to believe. That's it. That's, that's our part. And then the Holy Spirit will work in our lives, and he'll clean us up. All right. And the publican, if you'll look there, verse 13, Matthew 18, verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. You know, I heard a preacher the other day. He said, you know, uh, the biggest problem with Christians is they need a little higher self-esteem. Need a little higher self-esteem. That ain't what the Bible says right here. Self-esteem is the lifting up of self. That's what self-esteem is, the lifting up of self. Jesus said right here, look at it, latter part of verse 14, Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Now, much of the church world falls in uh, the same category as the Jews of old. We've got some that believe that they're closer to God because they do this, they do that, they do the other. I remember uh, working with a gentleman, and he was a member of a holiness church, been going there for years, and, and I don't have any hard feelings toward the holiness people, I know, I know some of them are just as nice as they can be, and they'll give you the shirt off their back to help you any way that they can. But this, this gentleman thought that he had a leg up on God because, you know, um, he, 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 allowed, he wouldn't allow his wife to wear pants and uh, wear makeup. And he, he questioned me about that because he knew at the time that I was... Uh, just starting to preach, and he asked me, said, uh, Brother James, what do you think about women wearing pants and makeup? 
I said, well, some of the dresses I've seen, I think pants are more appropriate. (laughs) Well, what do you think about makeup? (laughs) I said, in some cases, the more the better. (laughs) He didn't agree with that. But, uh, you know, the thing about it is, he'd come in there every day, and he'd have his suit and tie on, and his poor wife would come in there with her hair done up in a bun. She looked like she'd been mopping the floor. And that was their idea of holiness, see. And they thought that they had a leg up on God, and they looked down on everybody else because, you know, you you free will Baptists, y'all just go to church dressed any old way, and... You wear makeup and your jewelry and you, you know, it ain't about what you do. Matter of fact, Paul said in Galatians, if you do these things, Christ has become of none effect on you. Where is your faith? Is your faith in what you're doing or is your faith in Christ? Is your faith in what you're not doing, see? And, you know, we've got entire groups of, of people in Christianity today that are going out to the Bible and bookstore and they're buying uh, prayer shawls and they're blowing the, uh, the, that funny-looking horn and they're dancing all around like the Jews do and they, they've just changed everything. They're trying to be Jewish. And, you know, they'll go to church and they put their prayer shawls on and they pray and all this kind of stuff. And they, they think by doing that that they're somehow getting closer to God. And, you know, all that creates is an elite mentality. I'm better than anybody else because I do these things. We got people in the Free Will Baptist denomination that have that idea. They think just because they're a fifth-generation Free Will Baptist, you know, that that has some brownie points with God or something. No, it does not. It does not add one thing to your salvation. But we got that problem today. All right, go back to Romans 2. Verse 1, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art, that judges. That goes for anybody, Jew, Gentile, saved, unsaved, black, white, Hispanic, Japanese, Chinese, no matter what your race is, no matter what your color is, we ain't supposed to be judging. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, For thou that judgest doest the same things. What things? Well, the things that we mentioned back in chapter 1 of Romans. Um, Paul is setting the stage here. It's going to take him a little while to get to it. And uh, it's over in the third chapter if you want to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 3. If I don't go ahead and mention this now, um, it might be next year or the year after before we get to the third chapter of Romans. So I won't go ahead and hit it now, get to the point. Romans 3, move down, if you will, to verse 9. This is the point that Paul is trying to get to here. Romans 3, verse 9, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. 
For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And if you will, drop down to verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of that, no human being has the right to judge or condemn another. In the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, God the Father is seen holding a book in his right hand. That book is a book of judgment upon this world. It will actually begin the great tribulation period. And an angel proclaims with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And the scripture says that there was no man in heaven, no man in earth, no man under the earth. No man was able to take the book and to open up those seals. Like I said, that book was a book of judgment and no man was able to pronounce judgment, was able to open those seals or do anything. There was only one man that was able to step forward and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And when John turned to see him, he, was, he had the appearance of a lamb as if it had been slain in whatever the case, which that is the reason why Jesus is able to judge because he's the one that went to the cross and paid man's sin debt, and he's perfect. Um, Matthew chapter 7, if you will. No human being, and I say no, that means us as church members, we have no right to judge anybody else. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 1, Jesus said, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. We're all in the same boat. What goes around comes around. If you're not merciful and gracious to others in their time of need, God is not going to be gracious and merciful to you in your time of need. If you don't forgive, God won't forgive. Let's flip the coin over and look at it this way. If you show mercy and are gracious to others, when your time comes... And you need grace and mercy shown to you. God will make sure that grace and mercy comes your way. Like I said, what goes around comes around. Jesus said in verse 3 of Matthew 7, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? All of us have a sin nature. And as a result, we've all got our own problems. Amen? Oh, y'all, oh, well, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. 
Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you as your preacher, uh, there's a sin nature here, and there's problems. Oh, you got your ears perked up now. Well, James, what is your problem? That ain't none of your business. That's just between me and the Lord. That's why Jesus said, get in your prayer closet. I got to pray about my own problems. And, you know, if we'd go before the Lord with our own problems um, and, and keep our nose out of everybody else's problems, we'd be a lot better off. But Jesus said, get the beam out of your eye. He said there, verse 4, How wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Hypocrite, first cast the beam out of your eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. I have to ask the question, do we ever get to a point to where we get the beam out of our own eye? I think it can be done, but I don't think it's done as often as people think that it's done. It can only be done, like I said, as we keep our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we ask him to help us remove that thing, whatever it may be. But, you know, as long as we're in this world and we're in this flesh, there's going to be that battle between the flesh and the spirit. And that sin nature is going to want to raise its ugly head from time to time. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and whatever the case. And, you know, like I said, we just have to Go before the Lord and ask Him to help us with those things. All right. The Jews didn't seem to think that they had a beam in their eye. They knew the law of God, and in their minds they thought that they were keeping it. They looked down on the Gentiles, considered them to be sinners, heathens. They were cursed of God. They even called the Gentiles dogs in some cases. They'd... Um, walk on the other side of the street just to avoid them, whatever the case. They said, you know, these Gentiles, they've been exposed to God. Uh, God has revealed himself to them, and yet they reject God and go out and do all of these evil, wicked, ungodly things. But let's take a look at the Jews. They knew the word of God. Inside and out. At the time of Jesus, the little Jewish boys, by the time they were 12 years old, they could repeat the entire book of Leviticus. When was the last time you read the book of Leviticus? When was the last time you read it and weren't able, uh, you were able to stay awake while you read it? If you have trouble going to sleep, <laughs> open up the Word of God and start reading. Brother James, that's a horrible thing to say. Hey, I'm not lying to you. If you've got trouble resting, this is rest unto your soul. Open up the Word of God and read it. Don't, hey, don't sit here and not look at me like a bunch of angels and, and say you ain't never read the Word of God and fell asleep. It, it has that effect on you. We rest in the Word of God and in the, in the things of God. And so if you've got a problem sleeping, open up the Word. Now, if you're studying for a sermon, I don't advise that. <laughs> All right, let's get off of that. But here's the Jews. They knew the Word of God inside and out, backwards and forwards. And yet, when Jesus Christ came on the scene, they rejected him and they crucified him. Which 
of the two groups, Gentiles and Jews, committed the worst sin. The Gentiles rejected God. God had revealed himself through creation and conscience, and the Gentile world rejected God, said, we don't want him, we'd rather have our sin. They made up their own God and whatever the case. Here's the Jews that knew the word of God, knew it backwards and forwards, upside down, sideways, and yet when Jesus came on the scene, they rejected him and crucified him. Who committed the worst sin? The Jews did. That's why Paul said, you're inexcusable. You have no right to judge the Gentiles. Look at what you've done. All right. Romans 2, verse 2. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. God is the only one who can judge. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He sees all, knows all. He, he looks right through to the heart of the human being, and he knows our very motives for why we do what we do. Paul is saying that judgment is coming, and it did come in 70 A.D. The temple was completely destroyed, just like Jesus said, not one stone was left upon another. All right, Romans 2, verse 3. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? In 70 A.D., 600,000 Jews died. Others were captured, carried off out in the middle of the desert and left to starve to death. Others were put into gladiatorial arenas and torn apart by wild animals. Others were sent off and used as slaves all over the world. Israel became as nothing. Almost completely wiped off the face of the earth until 1948. And the Lord moved once again. And Israel became a nation back in 1948. And the only reason that happened is because there are a lot more scriptures to be fulfilled as it pertains to Israel. But we've run out of time, and I'm just going to stop right there for tonight. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.